Welcome to Expert Opinion, the branding business forum where leaders share their views, insights, and experiences from the world of B2B branding. And now, here's your host. Hello, I'm Ryan Rikus, and welcome to Expert Opinion. Today's guest is Karen Hayward, managing partner of Chief Outsiders, a firm that helps the mid-market CEOs build and execute growth plans by providing interim or part-time marketing executives, such as Karen. Karen's also the author of Stop Random Acts of Marketing, a book that I found incredibly insightful in today's fast-paced, media-centric world. Karen, welcome to Expert Opinion. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, I'm a big fan of your book. Uh, so maybe why don't we go ahead and just begin with uh, what motivated you to write it? I had spent 20 years working at Xerox and um, then a couple of other startup and mid-market companies. And so I had sort of had all this experience seeing what best practices were, and I'd had really the opportunity to have world-class training. And, and then five years ago, I joined Chief Outsiders. And at that point, we were working with mid-market, mid-market businesses. And, you know, I've worked with about a, almost 200 businesses over the last five years. And it was such a constant and recurring theme that CEOs were super frustrated that their marketing wasn't working. And it certainly wasn't as measurable as they would have liked. And there is this sort of traditional over-reliance on sales. And so there was sort of this confluence of this massive amount of frustration in the mid-market. Um, the fact that marketing is becoming more and more responsible for the sales funnel and sales outcomes, and then an opportunity to share what I'd learned over the course of, you know, a, a long corporate career. So I thought I would just take the best practices I've learned and put them in a book that's all right-sized for a, a mid-market company. Well, Karen, couldn't agree more with you. Um, so a little background on our firm. We started off 25 years ago as an advertising agency and um, loved it. And, and yet, uh, we find ourselves too often just being forced to uh, focus on marketing tactics by our clients, the, uh, the marketing executives. And uh, we didn't have enough um, insight into the CEO's perspective, how to drive the business forward. And that's when we started shifting, I don't know, 15 years or so ago to brand strategy to really begin with what is our strategic intent, how are we going to develop a value proposition that will be effective going forward, and then eventually you get to the marketing tactics. So um, that's why I couldn't, couldn't agree more with you and your point of view. And, and I do have a couple analogies, I guess, to share in the sense of um, before you start the marketing, uh, akin to a carpenter, measure twice, cut once. Um, another quote I love is, uh, vision without execution is merely a daydream. But execution without vision is a nightmare. And it's so true. Think about it. Do it right. Think go through the process. Um, so I know um, in your book you speak a little bit about uh, voice of customer. So um, let me get your perspective. Um, before you start marketing to the customer, what are your thoughts around hearing from the customer through research and to understand their point of view of how to develop a relevant and differentiating value proposition. Absolutely critical. You have to start with voice of the customer, you know, and, and, and frankly, that was a lesson that I learned really early in my career. 
um, I was asked in the early 80s to launch um, Xerox, Xerox's um, personal computer into the Quebec marketplace. I, I grew up in Montreal. And, um, oh, my goodness, I'd had this stellar career in sales, and I go to launch this PC that's positioned as a word processor for small business, and nobody buys it. <laughs> Faced with failing for the first time in my life, early in my career, I said, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. Why doesn't anyone want this? So I went out and I contacted uh, a bunch of uh, CEOs of small businesses, and I went and sat at their desk and, and said, why would you buy a PC? And they said, well, we wouldn't for word processing. The only way we would buy a PC is if it could do our accounting and we could collect our accounts receivable faster. So I thought, oh, well, that makes sense. So I went and partnered in the Montreal marketplace. We had 60 salespeople back in the day, um, and we sold more. I went and partnered with an accounting software, and we created a, a package solution, and we sold more in Montreal than the rest of the country combined. And it was because we went and understood what the customer was looking for. And I can't tell you the number of businesses that I've been associated with where the CEO says, well, this is what our customers love about us. And when you go and talk to the customers, it's something that resonates that's so completely different. And everybody says we have great service and we have great products. So you really have to work hard to figure out where are you different before you start thinking about spending money. So to your earlier point, getting the voice of the customer is, is, is ground zero for a good marketing plan. So true. So um, we are typically brought in by the CMO or the, uh, the lead marketing executive, and we're giving a briefing mm -hmm. as to what the potential brand could stand for and where the brand could go. In the old days, we would have just gone out and started our, developing our advertising, our marketing program. But once again, we've taken a completely different approach. And to your point, marketing can't do this alone, certainly not without research, but they also can't do it without the other or the other leaders in the organization because marketing will ultimately make, ultimately make a promise, but the rest of the company has to keep it. And so you might as well understand what the rest of the company thinks about where the brand could go as well. And years ago, we came up with a concept which we called the Brand Council, and it's a cross-functional team of leaders. Um, think once again marketing, but also you got sales or operations or customer support or uh, customer experience, the CEO, CFO, and certainly HR today as relates to attracting and retaining talent. So we like this approach of having this brand council uh, be the leader throughout the entire initiative and um, where we get information from them, and after that we share our point of view, and then their job is to make decisions and ultimately be ready to launch the brand at the right time. Uh, we haven't spoke about this, but I want to get your perspective on this, the thought of this brand council. I love it. I, I think it, um, it has so many applications beyond even just marketing because, um, you know, good marketing has to reflect the strengths of the company. That can come in many, you know, many different aspects of how the company delivers its service, whether it's customer service, whether it's the implementation of a service, um, or the actual product that, that, that exists relative to the competition. I have something that, that I have done, 
that's really quick and easy, uh, and I'd love to share it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called a, a 333, and it is a one-time effort that allows you to tap into your employees, and you make it an anonymous survey so everyone can be just totally honest, and that quiet engineer who never says anything when you're in a big group meeting can be totally uh, open. And you do three things. You request three strengths, three weaknesses, and what are three things they would do if they were the CEO. And you leave it totally wide open. And as you know, um, really building your brand is building on your, your core strengths that you can articulate relative to your, to your competitors. So that's another way to do a very quick where you, you know, pull the entire company. But I love your idea of a brand, brand council. Super smart. Well, good. I'm glad you like it. I, I also like your 333. We'll have to, um, do I have to pay you a royalty if we start using that? Nope. And it's all in the book, too. I think I, I think I talk about it in the book. Yeah, you do. I, I like that. You're marked that page. Um, well, it sounds like we uh, share a similar point of view. Um, so kind of going back, take a step back. You mentioned early on the CEO being frustrated because um, trying to drive sales and kind of trying to go to the finish line. It, so from a marketing perspective, you know, there's a lot of pressure on marketing executives today. And I, I noticed that the, uh, the, the, the tenure of a CMO is declining rapidly. <laughs> of course, that's also happening with the CEO. But is it um, the other leaders in the organization, maybe even sales, that are uh, driving this urgency to rush to tactics? Um, or, you know, what can a marketing executive do to, to get the rest of the company to just calm down for a little bit and do it right? Well, look, I think there are two things at play. So uh, I, I have a hypothesis that says, you know, companies, m marketing is way more complicated than it's ever been. And so you can go out and you can hire a CMO who's really good in strategic planning but not really good in digital marketing, and maybe you have to have really good digital marketing expertise once you have the strategic plan done. So I, I think that because of the complexity of marketing and because of how a company is so dependent on different aspects at different times of marketing that the CMOs are not able to evolve over long periods of time anymore. And I'll give you a quick example. We, we worked with a, a gun vault company, a, a company that stores um, guns securely. And they started out with a brand problem. And so we put an ex-Smith & Wesson CMO in who knew the category and the persona and could really work with their agency and, and move very quickly. But then it became very apparent that once we had the brand under control, the next opportunity was, was to fix e-commerce. Well, that brand expert could not, was not an e-commerce expert. So we actually traded out CMOs three months into the engagement. So three months in, we had CMO number one, who was the brand expert. And then for the next nine months, we built a whole e-commerce strategy and executed it. And the CFO would tell you that we saved the year for the company. Um, so getting access to the right marketing expertise when you need it, I think, has become more important than ever. And then I think your other point was, you know, people, who, you know, the other leaders who are really having this crazy sense of urgency. 
I think in a lot of mid-marketing companies, you see combined roles. You have a VP of sales and marketing, and and that tends to drive an intense focus on tactical delivery. Because mm-hmm. if you're a VP of sales and marketing, you're you got to feed 30 or 50 or 100 families every month, and you got to be on the revenue. Um, and I've been I've been all three roles: sales, marketing, and and the combination. And the combination is extraordinarily hard to do. Um, and and then you know everybody is also a marketing expert, right? I mean, you don't have eight people sitting around the table telling the CFO what to do, but you have <laughs> eight people with opinions telling the VP of marketing what they should do, which is which is another reason why you got to go back to the voice of the customer and data so that you can bring the organization along with that data. So. So very true. Um, I know in your book you speak a little bit about that sometimes the CEO doesn't even understand the difference between sales and marketing. Uh, do you continue to see that, that issue out there? You know, in the mid-market, it's, it's huge. Um, our number one blog on our website is what's the difference between sales and marketing. Mm-hmm. And, I believe it. You know, most, most mid-market CEOs are, you know, tend to have an operational orientation and they're great operators um you know running a company and growing a company really kind of require different views when you run the company you optimize inside the four walls and when you look to grow a company you have to optimize outside the four walls you have to optimize against the marketplace against technology against regulations against the economy you know it really just requires a different orientation you know, I, I and the other point that I made earlier is that it's becoming so much more complicated. I think some CEOs are like, I don't even know where to start on this. Well, that's your point of why you need a number of different experts that you can rely on. Where you know it used to be the old agency of record could do everything. Now that's not the case at all. You need a, a number of right. different experts in order to deliver. So I think you just mentioned a couple interesting points about inside the walls and outside the walls. So let's for a minute just take a look at inside the the walls of the company more than in terms of the internal or the employee branding. And, um, you know, the the true success of an organization is based upon the quality of its people, both the intellectual understanding and the emotional connection to the the brand. And so uh, over the years, and out of frustration, we've developed our own model. We call them guiding statements of purpose, vision, and mission. Purpose is why we exist. Vision is what we aim to achieve. And mission is how we're going to achieve it. So um, you might have a similar model, but I just want to get your perspective of the importance of these guiding statements to truly uh, engage, align, and inspire uh, the important asset, which is people. I, I think it's, it's the fundamental starting place. You have to figure out your purpose and why you exist and your vision and your values. And, you know, your values are what leadership should look to when the going gets tough. And the, and the values guide you in the, in, in difficult times. Um, mm-hmm. and, and everything needs to stem from, from that. I think when you look to build your brand. Yeah. Well, we are a firm believer in that, that thought, <laughs> that process. So, um, now exile, uh, outside the walls, the, um, the customer, is more informed today than they've ever been. And especially in the world of B2B, they can do a tremendous amount of research. Um, you know, the sales cycles are long, but 
but and multiple decision makers, and you know, and it's also a considered purchase. But now uh, the customer is is more informed and probably more in charge than they ever have been. More empowered. How how can marketing though uh, possibly use that reality uh, to their advantage? Are there any ways they can do that? That's one of the things I think that the mid market really needs to catch up in is understanding your buyer's journey because so much of that research is done online before they even decide who they want to consider. So let me give you an example. Uh, one way, um, this is very tactical, but very, very, very effective. One way is to take uh, from your sales team and your sales leadership and your marketing leadership and your customer service people, and or it could be your counsel, your brand counsel. You take your brand counsel, you say, what are the biggest objections that we get to buying our product or service. And then you assign that objection to a subject matter expert. Then you, once they write up the answer, then you search engine optimize it with the right key search words, and then you post it and you create a mm -hmm. blog. And, and one of those should be, well, what's the difference between ABC company and DEF company? Every company should own the answer to that question. How many times have you Googled something and said, you know, what's the difference between, you know, SAP ERP and NetSuite ERP? And up comes a big description of the difference. Well, each company should want to control their own um, their own uh, dialogue on that. And so that's just one super easy way. To, uh, to do that and engage the sales force. The, the other way um, that takes a little more work is, you know, win-loss analysis. Mid-market companies do not do that. And, and you can find out so much by looking at, you know, five or ten wins and a couple of losses and, and not having the sales force do it and not having someone inside the company do it because the, the, the clients don't want to hurt your feelings. So you, you got to have a safe place where the client can can unleash confidentially on what was that experience, and you'll get a crazy number of insights on how you can um, either better support your salespeople through that process, or more align your content um, and and material support um, to help them make a favorable decision your way. Uh, those are two great examples of the customer journey and, and how you can learn along the way. So after you've now taken all this input and, and gone out there and, and utilized it in terms of uh, a marketing and sales strategy, are there any other areas of measurement that can be managed that you would maybe uh, could speak about? I think today there's a, there's a new sales funnel and, or sales and marketing funnel. And, and you've really got to think about what is driving what. So, so number one, um, I want to always understand what the metrics are of my key competitors. So there are tools you can use to understand what's their website traffic? Um, where are they getting their, their website traffic? Uh, is it from social media? Is it from, from direct links? So on and so forth. So having some, metrics that you follow relative to the competitors is important. I think the, the other piece of that is creating a metrics, the, the analytics 
for a digital marketing funnel. So it could be managing your sales funnel in three sectors. What's top of funnel? So how are you getting people into the funnel and how are you measuring that? What's the middle of the funnel? How are you pushing people through? And then the bottom of the funnel is how am I turning my prospects into sales opportunities and referral business and customer advocates? And so there are measures, uh, metrics that you can apply at each of those stages. And I'll just give you a couple of examples. So at the top of the funnel, it could be what's your reach? What are your ad impressions? What are your keyword searches? What are your branded searches? How many visitors are coming to your website? What are the page views? The middle of the funnel could be what's your bounce rate? How many content readers do you have? How many people are filling in your, your forms? How many new people are you gathering email addresses for newsletters? And then the bottom of your funnel is really how are you getting prospects to respond to your CTAs, which are calls to action. So if you have call to action emails, let's say, you know, what's your response rate? And how many of those are turning into to leads? And how many of those are either getting demos or closing and becoming customers? So I think really taking a thorough view from a beginning, from a digital perspective all the way through to someone becoming a, a client referral is kind of what's needed today. Well, those are great practical examples. Um, I also saw the visual in the book and uh, can definitely relate to it. So uh, thank you for sharing that. Uh, well, Karen, it's been wonderful. I mean, 20-some minutes has passed very, very quickly. We're almost out of time. Um, I'm sure our listeners are going to find tremendous benefit in this. Is there anything else at all that you'd like to share? You know, I, I would just say we are in very uncertain times right now. And I think using this time to lay the foundation and the, the engine to grow your business has never been more important. So, you know, stay close to the voice of your customer and really look for those ways to add value uh, to them in these, these uh, challenging times. Great closing thoughts, Karen. Thank you for being a guest on Expert Opinion. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Well, that concludes our show for today. This is Ryan Rikas, and you've been listening to another edition of Expert Opinion, a branding business forum where thought leaders share their point of view. If you'd like to listen to past shows or read our blog series, visit brandingbusiness.com. And to our next show, grow your business by living your brand promise.